All right, Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 11, and it says this, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. He's like, listen, I'm going to make this big, the largest font possible, because I want everybody to pay attention to what I'm about to say. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. If you got your Bibles and you got a pen, I want you to underline that statement right there, cross of Christ. That's going to be a major theme tonight. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross, underline that, of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. Amen? Let's, go to, let's just pray real quick. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And that, God, we don't read a book that was written a long time ago that doesn't speak to us today. But literally tonight, God, you're going to take the words on the pages that you're going to make them rise up and come into our hearts. That you're going to speak to us, God, by your Holy Spirit. And that, God, we're going to leave this place changed. God, we pray that you would reveal Jesus in our midst. That we would see Jesus. We would see what he's like. We would learn more about him. And we thank you that you have given us this opportunity in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. The title of tonight's message is This Changes Everything. This Changes Everything. Now, how many of you guys watch dramatic TV shows? What, what's, what's your, what's your guys' shows? Grey's Anatomy. Is that still on, Grey's Anatomy? Still on? I'm not even going to repeat that one into the mic. Anything else? Anything else? Lost anybody? Any Lost fans, Lost people? It's really crazy because the two that I was really into, Lost and 24, they're both done uh, this season. But, but something, something strange happens at the end of every single 24 that I watch. And I, I think it's probably the same with any of the other shows, any of those other dramatic shows that are trying to engage you and get your attention, is they go, and, and after the show's over, they give you a preview of what's supposed to happen next week, right? Does everybody know what I'm talking about, the preview of next week? And it always starts out with 24, is next week on 24. And it's like, and here's Jack, and he's got his gun, right? And this is the best impression of a gun I've got right now, okay? And, he's, he's, and it goes, and it's like, next week, Everything will change. And then it goes into like slow motion. Right? And then you see Jack's face and there's this big like sniper rifle scope. And you see Jack's face like right inside the scope. And it's like, what's going to happen? Right? And then it goes to like the medical monitor thing. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? The little medical thing that's saying, right? And it's everything will change. This is going to change everything. Everything will change, right? Because they're trying to get us to know that we got to catch next week. If we, miss, if we miss next week, we miss everything because everything is going to change next week. That, that something is going to happen next week that is going to absolutely change everything about the show. Can I tell you that in life we are promised a lot of things that will change everything, and yet we find very few things that really change everything in our lives. There are all kinds of things where, where we think that we'll, we'll never be able to be the same. You know, 9-11, when it happened, I remember talking with people and being like, wow, how do we ever go back? How do we ever get back to where we were? How do we ever, like, recover from this? 
It's, it's never going to be the same. And yet here we are nine years later, and very few people even think about it. Yet this was supposed to be some monumental point in history that absolutely changes our country, and we can never go back to the same way it, it used to be before 9-11. And yet, people are still living very similar lives. See, we've got times in our lives where we lose a loved one. And we think, how am I ever going to go on? How am I ever going to make it? How, how, is it, how am I ever going to get back to the way that it used to be? You guys are so quiet tonight, man. You guys got to like, at least shake your heads or something. Like, let me know that we're not dead. All right, there we go. We got to, and we think, man, it'll, it'll never go back to the way it was before grandma died. It'll never go back to the way it was before, before this happened. It, we, we have a girlfriend break up with us and we're like, my life is over. It'll never be the same again. I'm not talking to anyone specific, but just saying. But I'll never be the same again. I didn't even look at him. Why are you assuming? You know what happens when you assume, right? <laughs> Listen, we, we, we think things come into our lives and we look at our lives and we think, man, I will never, ever be the same again. I, my, I've, I've got a filing cabinet full in my office of young people who have come to camps and written out testimonies and said, my life is changed. I'll never be the same. It was always funny because Spencer Parnell, when he used to come to camps when he was young enough, he had the exact same testimony every year. He would get up and we had the mic like, you guys know how we do it. We have the mic in the stand. You don't touch anything. You're not supposed to touch it. You just walk up, you stand in front of the mic and you say your piece, right? And so Spencer Parnell would always come up and he would say the exact same testimony. Man, you know, man, I, it's, it's not like I wasn't like, serving God before, but man, I really wasn't serving God before. And, you know, man, just at this camp, man, God really got a hold of my heart. And man, man, I'll never, I can never go back to the way it was. It'll never be the same. And he did that year after year after year. I seriously would sit in the back and because I, you know, I'm not paying attention during camps because probably I was hanging out with Jared or something. So I'd sit in the back and be like, I'll bet you I know what he's going to say. And the person sitting next to me would be like, no way. Well, what, what's his testimony? Well, his testimony is going to be, well, he was serving God, but he wasn't really serving God. And that he's, you know, and people would be, and then he'd get up and share his testimony. And they'd be like, wow. And I'm like, every year, dude, it's just every year. It's the same way. And it's like, we, we are full. Like we, we get up and we have that testimony time. And literally we could play clips probably of most of the people here where they've gotten up and they said, man, I'll never go back to the way it used to be. I'll never go back. And yet we find ourselves so many times going back to the way it used to be. See, because we, we get promised this in our lives. And we, we get told this in our lives. That there's things in our lives that if we pay attention to this, then it'll never be the same. And we watch those previews of Lost for next week and we think, I cannot miss this next hour. Because if I miss this next hour, it, it, it's, it's, it'll never be the same. I'll never understand it. And if, you, if you're a Lost fan, give it up if you're Lost fans. If you're a Lost fan, I mean, that's true. I'm, you miss one week and you have no idea what's going on with the show. Like all of a sudden they're time travelers. I don't, I don't understand. But, but, but if you miss this just one thing, this one thing is going to change everything. Can I tell you that there are so many things in our lives that are, that are telling us that it'll change everything. There's like diet plans that are like, man, if you get on our diet plan, you'll lose weight 
and you'll never go back to the way it was. And yet with all these different diet plans, people may lose weight, they may not lose weight, but once they've lost the weight, they stop the diet, they gain the weight back. Even though they're told, you'll never be the same. Even though they're told, it's going to be totally different. You'll never go back to the way you were. You're you're, you're going to be completely changed. (coughs) Even though they're told that, still people go back to the way they were. Because we're promised a lot of things that will change everything in our life. But very few things truly affect every aspect of our lives. Very few things truly reach out and touch every moment that we live. Yet that is what the cross is for us. See, the cross changes everything. And as you read in this, the, in, in Galatians, as we were just reading, Paul is, he, he's addressing this letter, he's addressing it to like five different churches in the, in the province, in the area of Galatia. And the problem with these churches is they've had people come in and start talking about how circumcision is what they really need to do. And I don't want to explain circumcision, but if you know what circumcision is in this place and you're a guy, just throw out an ouch for me real quick. That... That circumcision is the way to go. That circumcision is what it's all about. That circumcision, that's, that's it. That's the pinnacle. That's, if, you, if you get circumcised, it'll change everything. If you get circumcised, everything in your life will be changed. Everything in your life will be affected. And so Paul is coming to this church, and he's writing them this le- letter And he's saying, listen, that doesn't work. These guys are selling. They are pushing circumcision. 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 That's a real word. Somebody submit that to Webster for me. They're pushing circumcision. And they're like, you got to be circumcised. It's all about, if you get circumcised, it'll change everything in your life. You'll never be the same again. You just got to get circumcised. Circumcised is where it's at circumcised are selling these these false people like all the guys are like no it's not it's it's really not but they're like pushing this new like incredible weight loss pill like like here's paul and they come directly against paul and they they start attacking paul and they start saying paul he's not even a real apostle he didn't even really like he wasn't even really one of the disciples of jesus he didn't even really he didn't really even know Jesus personally. Like he, he was around when Jesus was around, but he wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He's not even a real apostle. Why are you going to listen to what this guy says? He doesn't even know what he's talking about. And they would come and Paul would come to these guys and he established all of these churches that these people are coming to. So Paul comes, he establishes these churches. And then all of a sudden these guys start sneaking in and talking about how his authority isn't valid. And that Paul really doesn't understand because Paul's message was the message of the cross. And so here's these guys, and they come in and they say, look, the cross is great, but the cross isn't enough. You need to add something to the cross, otherwise you really won't get saved. Your life won't be changed. It's really not good enough if you just have the cross. 
And so Paul, more than he's worried about, more than he's worried about them attacking him personally, he's worried about the fact that these guys are coming in and saying that the cross is not enough. And the book of Galatians is probably the most colorful, the most dramatic book that Paul writes in the New Testament. It's probably just the most like out there and throwing, just throwing statements and things. It's the most, he uses the best illustrations. It's the most colorful. It, it, It just is the, it's just like Paul's like, Writing this thing, and you can almost feel his anger as he's saying it. He's like, I'm writing this with big, gigantic letters. Font size 72. Click it up. That's what we're going with because you need to hear this. You need to understand this. That circumcision or uncircumcision does not matter. What matters is that you become a new creation through the cross of Jesus. And he's, he's ticked off at these people because they're coming in and they're trying to add to what Jesus has already done, to the sacrifice that Jesus has already made. And so here's Paul, and he's writing this letter just mad, ticked off, and he's saying, you know what? The cross is the one thing that will change everything. The cross of Jesus Christ is the one thing in your life that can change everything everything. See, some of us think if I get a new boyfriend, or if I get a new girlfriend, or if I, if I get a new car, or if I get a new job, or if I get more money, or if I get, if I get this, or I, if I get, if I can just get, if I can just learn how to jerk better, that's where it's at. It'll change my whole life. If I can just, if I can just become a rap star, that's it. It'll change my whole life. I thought, I thought that when I was a teenager, actually. If it, it, if, if I just, if I get good grades in school, that's it. It'll change my entire life. And I'm not saying don't get good, good grades in school. We should all try and get good grades in school. But getting good grades in school is not going to change your entire life. If I, if I just wasn't born in the house that I was born in, if I had different parents, if I had a different brother, if I had a different sister, if I had different friends, if I had better clothes, then it would change everything. But there's only one thing that will change every aspect of your life. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what he did. See, a lot of us think that the cross is some sort of Christian logo. But it's so much more than a logo. It is a symbol of the freedom and the grace that we have in Jesus. See, because a logo is just like, hey, that we want to be able to be uniformly recognized. And so we all wear the cross. And so everybody knows that if I wear a cross, I'm a Christian. But the reality is this. It's so much more than just trying to be recognized. It is what Christ came to do to save you. It is what Christ came to do to change everything. And literally Christ came down to earth and he suffered the cross because he knew that this could change everything. After the cross, you couldn't go back to the way it was. And that's what they're trying to convince these people of. Is they're saying, look, I know the cross is great, but we got to go back to the law and we got to go back to circumcision because that's what's really going to get it done. But after you encounter the cross, you can't go back. It's, you can't go back to the way that it used to be. It changes everything. The cross changes a lot of things in our lives. What Jesus did on the cross changes everything. It is the most pivotal point in all of history. There is nothing that has happened in recorded history that is more significant than what Christ did for us on the cross. There's nothing that has happened in your life up to this point that is more pivotal than what Christ did thousands of years ago on the cross on your behalf. There is nothing more important or significant that we could ever come up with 
than what Jesus has already done. See, it's, it's all about the cross. It's all about the cross. And Paul's like, they want to be able to get you circumcised so that they can brag and they can be like, hey, look at me. I made him a Christian. And they want to be able to brag about how they got you to get circumcised and that, 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 that they did something in your life and that they really got you into it. And they just want to be able to brag about you. They don't do all the things in the law anyways, but they want to be able to brag about you and what they've done in your life. And he says, I will brag. I will boast. I will shout. I will declare one thing and one thing only for the rest of my life. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is the only thing that can change a man. It is the only thing that can free us. It is the only thing that guarantees us. It's the only thing that it guarantees us an inheritance. The cross of Jesus Christ. And it changes everything. It changes everything. I just want to talk about four things that the cross will change in your life tonight. The cross will, the cross will change the way that you see the world. When you compare the love that was poured out on the cross, nothing else really compares. When, when you look at the things that this world has to offer, in view of what Christ has done for you on the cross, this world isn't really offering you much. It's like you've got one guy who's offering to buy you a Jaguar. I said that correctly, even though it sounds weird. And, and one guy who's, who's, offering to, who's offering to give you his beat-up 1986 Chevy Nova. They, they don't even compare. They, they, like, Hello. We don't even need to put that on the scale to see which guy would be the better guy. All right, maybe there's other things into it that go besides cars. But it's like being offered an incredible gift and being offered an incredible debt. Like a credit card and cash are both fun to go to the mall with. Let's not kid ourselves here. Sin is fun for a season. And a credit card is really fun to go to the mall with. But it's a whole lot nicer to have cash because a month later I don't get a bill. So when I have cash and I'm spending cash at the mall, it's just all, I mean, just take it. I, 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 I get that and that's fine. But when I use my credit card, all of a sudden a month later, they expect me to pay for all the things that I got. And, and that's the way that sin is. It, it, it feels fun. It feels the same. And yet, later in life, we have to pay the consequences for the decisions that we made. It, it doesn't really compare. In the short, in the right now, and sin might be fun for a season. But when you look at it in the scope of your life, of eternity, what do those things really get you? See, to be completely honest with you, sin doesn't have anything to offer me. I enjoy my life already. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, people sometimes will ask me, like, do you ever get tempted to to like do drugs or to go, to go out and get a drink or anything like that. Not to me personally. And, I, and I'm not trying to say this to be self-righteous. Not really. Because the reality is I enjoy my life. And if I needed other things to enjoy my life, then maybe there would be temptation there. 
but I enjoy my life. I enjoy where God has brought me. I enjoy my family. I enjoy being in ministry. I enjoy what God has done. I, I could not pick out for myself a better life. And I can't see myself going out and saying, you know what? My life is so bad right now that I've got to have something else so that I can enjoy my life. And listen to me, that's why people do it. Because if I do that, I'm not accepted enough. So if I do this, if I go to this party, if I do these things, then people will accept me and I'll be able to enjoy my life better because people will, people will relate to me and people will accept me. And I won't feel empty inside because I'll have friends. And so they turn to sin to try and satisfy them, but it never will. Or they become desperate and they become lonely and feel like there's no other way to turn. So they, they turn to drugs and they turn to alcohol and they turn to relationships and they say, I'll pour everything I have into this and this. Maybe this will change everything in my life. But then they find themselves empty still. Because the cross is the only thing that can satisfy you. Jesus is the only one that can bring you true peace, joy, and love. Jesus is the only one in whom you can really be satisfied for the rest of your life because the cross will change everything. It will change the way you look at the world. It will change the way you look at sin because no longer is sin this thing that seems fun, but sin is the very thing that Christ died to free you from. And when you compare sin and its destructiveness to the fact that you have a God who loves you so much that he would die for you, there's really no comparison. Because what God is offering you will give you all of the things that you're trying to find in sin. The satisfaction that you're looking for, God will give you. The peace that you're trying to find, God will give you. Because the cross will change everything. The cross will change the way you look at the world. There's all kinds of people that, that claim the name of Jesus, but they're in love with the world. And you can tell the people that are in love with the world because the second we bring up secular music, the second we bring up inappropriate movies or TV shows, or hey, whoa. let's not go there, Pastor, okay? Let's, let's, I'm, I, I'll, I'll come to church, I'll do my thing, but I, I, can, I can listen to whatever I want to. It doesn't affect me. You don't understand. I can, I can watch whatever movies I want to. It's not that big of a deal. I, I know they're rated R and I'm 12, but as long as I have an adult with me, it doesn't matter. It won't affect me. And the movies won't, that I watch won't matter. The music that I listen to won't matter. The people that are in love with the world are the people that get so offended anytime the church takes up an offering. You, you can touch a lot of areas in my life, Pastor. You can speak about a lot of things, but don't get into my wallet, okay? That's, that's between me and God. Yeah, it is between you and God, but it's also accountable to the Word of God. And so we don't just decide how we're going to live our lives. We decide to live our lives by the Word of God. And so there's people all over the place that are in love with the world, but they say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I go to Crossfire every single Wednesday night. I never miss a week. But we're absolutely in love 
with the world. We're absolutely in love with the culture. See, we're willing to give God part of our lives, but we're not willing to let the cross be everything to us. I'll I'll give you two hours on Wednesday night. I'll give you an hour on Sunday. I'll I'll give you maybe five minutes before I go to bed where I say I'm sorry for the sins that I did. But but God, you can't have every part of my life. See, we try and compartmentalize. Oh yeah, for real. Learned Learned it in college. Real word. We try and take our lives and put them all into like, as if we're sorting our lives into little totes. Like, here's my school life, and here's my home life, and here's my skate life, and here's my jerk life, and here's my, for anybody who doesn't know that I'm talking about jerking, like the dance. And here's, here's, my, here's, here's my church life. And everything that has to do with church goes in this box, and everything that has to do with jerking goes to this box, and everything that has to do with school goes in this box, and everything that has to do with my parents goes in this box, and everything that has to do with my friends goes in this box. And we try and make our lives as separate as we can, and we get all crazy and shaken up when they get combined. Because we don't have a bunch of different ways to separate our lives. We have one life. And God desires to have that entire life. It's funny to me when you got somebody who's dating a girl at church and dating a girl at school, and eventually the girl from school shows up at church. Yeah, that's a pretty funny thing to watch from a distance. Because no matter how hard you try, your lives are not separated. And God desires to have your entire life. He wants it all. See, so many of us are like, God, you can change my night. You can change my weekend at camp. You can change my week. You can change some little things. But we, we, God, you can have my life, but I'm only going to let you have certain parts of my life. Like we look at the Bible and we say, I will obey that, but I don't like that, so I'm not going to do that. And we just pick and choose how much God we want or we don't want. It's all or nothing. The cross changes everything. If, if you haven't been changed in, in every aspect of your life, then I wonder if you've really encountered the cross for real. Because the cross will change everything. What Christ did for you will change everything. And you can never be the same again. Even after serving God and falling away, Sin doesn't have the same type of appeal that it used to have. I like sometimes Christians have this idea that Christians have this idea that, well, I'm serving God because I want to get to heaven. We like the idea of heaven, but we don't like the idea of submitting to God here on this earth. We like the idea of spending eternity in paradise. That sounds good to me, Pastor G. I'll answer the call, altar call for that one. But as far as discipleship and, and training and really serving God and being used by God here on this earth, I'm just a teenager. You really shouldn't expect that much of me. I'm just, I'm just a teenager. And we like this idea of maybe later I'll serve God. But right now, at this point in my life, that's not really what I'm into. The cross changes everything. The cross changes everything. The cross changes, number two. The cross changes how you see the world. And number two, the cross changes how you see people. 
You used to treat your friends a certain way, but now that you've encountered Jesus, you begin to talk different. You begin to act different. You begin to see them differently. You used to be disrespectful to your parents, but now that you've accepted Jesus, you, you talk different. You, you treat them res- with respect. You, 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 you just talk. You used to do certain things with your girlfriend, but, but now that you've experienced Jesus, you don't want to do those things anymore because the cross has changed you. You've had an experience with Jesus, and you cannot be the same again. That the temptations of sin don't even have the same appeal anymore. It changes how you see people. It changes how you treat people. Because people are no longer just people that are to be walked on and used. And, you know, the only reason I'm nice to my parents is when they can give me money. Or the only reason I'm nice to my parents is when I'm asking them for something. The cross will change that in your life. The cross changes how we treat them because we no longer look at our parents as something to be got, but we look at them as somebody that needs Jesus. We see our friends as an opportunity to reach people for Jesus. They're no longer just friends that we hang out with. They're people that we want to spend eternity with. We start viewing our relationships differently. We start looking at people differently. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, I've become all things to all men so that by all means possible, I might save some. See, so we don't look at people the same way anymore. We look at people and go, what can I do to reach them for Jesus? What, what can I do in my relationship with them where I can share the gospel, where I can share the cross that changed everything about me? What can I do to share with them? The cross will change the way you see the world. The cross will change the way that you see people. And the cross, the cross, the crush, the cross changes how you see the Bible. It was a book of law and a book of rules. But when you look at it through the scope of the cross, it's a book of love and relationship. See, because... The Bible was, it, before the cross, all of the Bible was, was a declaration that you are not good enough. That's all it is. Without the cross, all the Bible is, is a declaration that you are not good enough. No matter what you do, no matter how, feel, how good you're feeling about yourself, the Bible used to tell you, you're not good enough. And the Bible still declares to people, you're not good enough, when we look at it without the cross. See, there's so many people that get caught up and they'll like be like, I'm doing, a, I'm doing an intense Old Testament study. And I'm going to spend the next three months in the Old Testament. And I'm going to learn everything there is to know about the first five books of the Bible. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about the law. I'm going to learn everything there is to know that Moses taught, that the prophets taught. I'm going to learn it all. I'm going to know everything about the Old Testament. I'm going to pass Bible trivia, Old Testament Jeopardy, every, I'm going to get every answer right. I'm going to know everything there is to know about the Old Testament. And yet, into their study, they start to find themselves being legalistic and self-righteous. Trying to base their accomplishments on what they've done. But if you look at the Old Testament without the cross, the Old Testament just tells you you're not good enough. Okay, I'm not good enough. I'll work. I'll work really hard. I, I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. All right. I stopped doing that. Then you read the Old Testament and realize, 
dang it, okay, okay, I got this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And then you read it again, and it says, still not good enough. Okay, okay, what do I do now? All right, okay, what do I do? What's next? Because the purpose of the Old Testament is to declare to you that you're not good enough. That no matter how good you think you are, you're not good enough. And see, that's why Paul's so mad. That's why Paul's so like, I'm big letters. You better hear this. You better understand this. Because these guys were trying to take them back to a legalistic relationship with Jesus. And all of that legalism only leads to the one statement that you're not good enough. And so Paul saw where this was leading before they were even going there. And he said, don't listen to these guys. Get them out. Get them out of the church. Don't have anything to do with them. Because they're trying to teach you something that's going to tell you you're not good enough. But the cross of Jesus changes everything. When we look back at the law, when we look at the Bible, without an experience with God. See, I'm not surprised that saved people don't want to read, that I'm sorry, that unsaved people don't want to read their Bible. Because they read the Bible and all they read is all this stuff that they're not supposed to do. And they read it as a list of do's and don'ts. But when you've been saved, when you've accepted Jesus, the Bible no longer is that list of do's and don'ts, but now it's a list of relationship and promises that he has for you. It's no longer about what you do or do not do. It's about what he's done. It's about the sacrifice that he made. And when we look at the Bible Without the cross, we find ourselves insignificant. We've been weighed, we've been measured, and we don't, we're not up to it. We don't measure up to this ruler that is the law. And every time we feel like we're doing good, it tells us, nope, no, 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 not yet. You're not good enough yet. Nope, you didn't do it yet. Not good enough. Not good enough. You're not good enough. Okay, that was nice, but not good enough. You're not good enough yet. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Keep trying. You're not good enough. But the cross changes everything. And now when we read the Bible, we read, I have a plan for you. I have a destiny and a call that I designed that will bring you more joy and satisfaction than you could ever find. I have promises for your life. Because the cross will change the way we look at the Bible. The cross changes the way we look at the world. The cross changes the way that we look at people. The cross changes the way we look at the Bible. And the cross changes the way God sees you. Go to Colossians chapter 1, if you would. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 20. If you're there, Sam, there. Starting in verse 20. And through him, uh, for God was, I'm sorry, for God, I'm going to start in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is talking about Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on, underline it, the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish or accusation. You see, Christ died 
so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees us. When, when God, how, maybe some of you guys, your, your dad's like my dad. And my dad would sometimes, he'd be mad because my room hadn't been cleaned for months or whatever. And my dad would be like, if you don't clean your room, when I come back, I'm going to forget you're my son when I beat you. Now, he didn't like, like hit me or anything, but I always got spankings growing up. He's like, I'm going to forget who you are when I discipline you. I'm not even going to remember that you're my son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you so hard, I won't even remember you're my son. This is what God did to Jesus. We know how much God hates sin when we see Jesus on the cross. Because when God saw Jesus on the cross, he didn't see his one and only son. He saw sin. And he hates sin so much that all those stripes and all those bruises and all those things that we saw on the passion and as ugly and as brutal as it was, that's how much God hates sin. That's how much God hates sin. Not sinners. God loves sinners. He sent Jesus for sinners. But that's how much God hates sin. He said, when I beat you, I'm going to forget who you are. And Jesus became cursed for us. And Jesus took the nails and he took the beating and he took the whips and he took it voluntarily. See, he became sin so that we could be forgiven. And when God saw Jesus, he no longer saw his son. He saw sin. So that when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees Jesus. This is the ultimate understanding of what it means to have Jesus as our substitution. That it should have been us on the cross. That it should have been us who took the nails. That it should have been us who took the beating. That because of our sin, we deserved it and we earned it. But because of his great love for us, he took our sin on his shoulders. He took our stripes on his back. He took our nails in his hands. Go to the book of Exodus with me just real quick and we're closing out. We're almost done. Jesus took our place. Exodus chapter 32. Let me explain what's happened up to this point. God has a chosen people, and it's Israel. And he brings them out of the wilderness, or he brings them out of Egypt where they're in slavery. Through miraculous signs and through plagues that he brings on the Egyptians, he brings them out. He opens the Red Sea so that they can cross through on dry land. And then when, when the Egyptians who are pursuing them go in after them, he closes it back up and kills them all. They go out and they go into the desert and they spend some time in the desert. And eventually God says, listen, I have to pass down the law so that you guys will know that whatever you do, you really don't deserve me. 
See, because you realize how much somebody loves you when you realize you don't deserve their love. When you make a mistake and somebody still stands by you, that's when you really understand how much they love you. When they don't have to, when they shouldn't, and they still love you. That shows how much they love you. And God is saying, I'm going to give you this law. And so he calls Moses up to the mountain and the mountain's shaking and there's clouds and there's all this crazy stuff going on. And Moses goes up by himself up to the mountain and God begins to give him the law. And while Moses is up on the mountain, the people of Israel who came out of bondage, who were freed from all the bondage that they had and were brought through on miraculous signs and brought through on dry land. And now here they are in the desert. They look to Moses's right hand man, Aaron, and they say, listen, Moses is up there and there's like smoke and lightning and the mountain's shaking and it's crazy. We don't even know if he's still alive. So make for us a God that we can worship. And Moses crafts, he says, all right, bring me all your gold jewelry, your earrings, all that stuff. And he makes for them a calf. And he says, worship this calf. Call out to this calf. Pray to this calf. Let your worship go to this calf. And as they're doing this, as they begin to celebrate and worship this idol, Moses is coming down from the mountain. And God's like, oh, dude, I'm going to kill these guys. I'm going to straight kill them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's over, Moses. It's absolutely, you know what, Moses? I'm going to kill every one of them and me and you will start over. I'll start a new line through you. I'll bless your line. I'll forget everything that I've already done for them. They're dead. I'm done with them. It's over. And Moses prays to God, and this is an incredible prayer for somebody who just got offered to be the father of a blessed nation of God. I mean, this is a pretty sweet offer. He says, I'm going to start over. And whereas everybody used to look to Abraham and say, that's our father Abraham. We we, we like father Abraham. We follow father Abraham's example. God's like, I'll start over. And they'll be like, that's father Moses. He's like, I'll start a whole new nation through you. And this is his response in Exodus chapter 32, starting in verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it is with an evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. And then in verse 13, uh, I was reading this actually two or three weeks ago, and God just totally messed me up. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Moses' appeal to God is forget them and remember the one, the ones that came before them. When you look down at the people of Israel, don't see the people of Israel in their sin. See Abraham, Isaac, Israel. See them. And literally, this is, a, this is a perfect example of the substitution that Jesus has for us. Because when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin. Because the cross changes everything. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. 
When God looks at you, he doesn't see what you were doing last night. He doesn't see what you were doing this morning. He doesn't see what you were doing while you were in your sin. He doesn't see that anymore. If you're saved and if you've called on the name of Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees his son. And he sees the works that his son has done. And so, this is why Paul's so angry. This is why Paul's so adamant about this idea of the cross. And he's saying, if I boast in one thing and one thing alone, it's going to be the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross is the only thing that will change everything, including how God sees us. He no longer sees our failures. He no longer sees our mistakes. He no longer sees our sin. He sees the righteousness and the acts of Jesus Christ. He sees what Jesus did. He sees the price that Jesus paid. Voluntarily, He took it for us. So that when God looks down on us, he sees Jesus. And there's nothing that we can do. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to, to try and like buy it from God. It is the gift of God for you to be redeemed. For you to be set free from the condemnation that is holding us down. He wants us to be free. Can I have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes? Sometimes we get so disconnected and we spend so much time in church that, that we forget what it's all about. And we, Man, people go off on so many doctrines and, and so many different things and so many different scriptures. And, and Paul's like, Why? Why focus on so many things when there's only one thing that changes everything? That there's only one way for a man to be saved, for a person to be redeemed, and that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that has the power to save you. I believe there's two types of people here tonight that need to respond to the preached word of God. Two types, two types of people. The first is this. Maybe you're a visitor. Maybe you've been coming forever. Maybe you've heard all kinds of messages. But something clicked inside you tonight and you realize something. You have not been bought by the blood of Jesus. If you died tonight, you don't know where you would go or what would happen to you. If God is looking down on heaven right now, you're not so sure what he sees. He may be looking down and seeing your sin, your failures, your mistakes. And I tell you, Jesus died so that that would never have to be again. He loved not everybody, not a group of people. He loved you so much that he took your sin on his shoulders. That he took the punishment that you deserved 
and said, I will go through this so that they can be free. If you're in this place tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have and you've fallen away, and tonight is a night to get it right. Tonight is a night to make your relationship with Jesus right. If you're here in this place and that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Hands going up. Come on. Anybody else want to join me? Anybody else? Anybody else? Go ahead and put it up and put it down. Is there anyone else that says, that's me? He loves me this much. He died for me. For that, he, he loves me. The second group of people in this place that I believe need to respond tonight. Not like, oh, maybe later, some other point. Man, God was... I've been praying about this word for the last three weeks wanting to preach it. And God waited till tonight so that he could have an encounter with you. There are people here tonight who have experienced the forgiveness of God, but they're still holding on to the world. They have not fully given everything over to the cross. They've taken their life and separated and they've got the church life and their Jesus life and their school life and their home life. And you're here in this place and you say, you know what, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord, but I have separated him from my entire life. I have not allowed the cross to be everything. I have not allowed the cross to change everything. If you're here in this place and that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I expect hands to go up all over this room. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? anyone else that tonight was for you that God was speaking to you is there anyone else that wants to join them amen amen go ahead and put your hands down I'm going to pray real quick and at the end of this prayer I'm going to encourage every single person and don't like I, I don't say this to for any other reason than to let you know you weren't the only one okay you weren't the only one that lifted your hand up more than half of the room had their hands raised So don't sit there and let the devil convince you in this moment that you're not going to answer because you don't want to be the only one. But I'm going to pray. And at the end of this prayer, I want you guys to come to the altar and give it all. To run to the cross and cling on to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much. And God, I pray that for each and every person in this room that knows that it's time to respond, that nothing would stop them, that nothing would hinder them, that even right now I bind the devil who's coming in and trying to say, just don't worry about it, maybe later, say a prayer tonight. It's right now, it's right here that your power will be poured out onto our lives, God. And I pray that in this moment, your people would be set free. That this would be the moment that changes everything. In Jesus' name.